Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic guy's podcast of which we are the worst. I'm Alec. And I'm tired. (laughs) Nice to meet you, tired. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I'm actually Eddie, but I... Uh, we, we're, we got a guest named Tired. Yeah, we are We are just back. We, we just started school this week again, and it's long, man. I'm like summer hours, and I get like everyone else works all year round, and so I have nothing yeah, no to complain about. But the, the transition from having like the summer hours and the summer schedule, relaxed schedule, especially because I, I was doing summer camps. Those were long days, but in the past like couple weeks, it's just been really relaxed. You know, we had meetings here and there, things like that. But then to go into like right into teaching, I woke up like on Tuesday and it was just, it, I was very tired. Uh, anyway, also we lost our soccer game yeah, today. we also just had a game. And that was annoying. Couldn't feel the whole team. We didn't have enough players because we got friends who were on a cruise. Someone's in Texas. And two guys said that they were going and didn't show up. Yep. Wah, wah. Say la vie. Anyway, they don't really care. Also, um, Gerardo is not dead. Uh, I hate yeah. to break it that you guys are stuck with just Alec and I again. Our friends all left us. Uh, Gerardo's been like traveling a lot. He went to like New York and then Texas and Arizona and Detroit at one point. There's been several times where he said he was going to record it. He was like, yeah, we can record at that time. And then he was like, oh, wait, I'm going to Texas. <laughs> uh, but that's just that's just the way he rolls. So, no, he is not dead. But this will be like, what, the like seventh episode in a row that he hasn't been in? It's true. And then Bobby is not here. So he's around. <laughs> Easier explanation for him. Yeah. But he's been on more recently than... Gerardo has for sure. So for those of you guys are who are clamoring for Gerardo, make your voices known, or else we'll just knock, we'll just kick him out forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, we are talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, and what does that mean? Take it away. Before anything, I think we need to define love as we have done before. Love is to will the good of the other as other. So it's copyright not a TM sinners take. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely came up with it. It is not for your own interest. It is not something you just wish, but it is something you actively will and you act on for their own benefit. Because we're going to get into loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and what that really means, because I think it gets thrown around a lot. We say brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe in passing, we might even refer to someone as our brother or our sister, but really getting an idea of, what Christ meant when he said that. So I don't know if you want to give the context or you want me to give the context for Jesus saying this. I want you to want me to give the context. So I'll give you the context. (laughs) (laughs) No, me, I want to do it. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, can you whisper to me the context (laughs) and then I'll talk it into the microphone? (laughs) Just to make sure I have it right. (laughs) Why don't you you say what you think the context is? (laughs) I'll hold up cue cards. And uh, no, honestly, I think the way things are nowadays is everybody is everybody's brother and sister. It started with like the MySpace top friends. And then when MySpace died and Facebook took over, it was like the thing. And anybody who is between the ages of 22 and 30, probably at this point, you at one point or another probably had your, on your Facebook family list, like a bunch of brothers and sisters who were not your brothers and sisters. Like your someone was your cousin. You made someone your mom and like everybody who is your friends with, it's like they're your brother now and they're your sister now. And we've let that kind of like desensitize that word to us. So when we say, oh, this guy's my brother, really what you're saying is this guy is my acquaintance. I think that that makes maybe us a good friend. Maybe, but not even not even necessarily, though, is the thing. Yeah. 
It can mean anything. It can honest, it could basically mean nothing. That's not the way it was intended, I think, by the early church, and it was not the way that we are called to live our lives. And I think that that does a great disservice to the early church, does a great service to us in this current state, and like doesn't really put a demand and is probably affecting mass attendance. Uh, you know, the reason why people are leaving the church is because people don't live out this radical mindset that the church really was the first people to ever think this way. Because in historical times, and especially in that area where Christianity took root, where originally the, uh, the, the Jewish faith took root, was it was a lot of, it was a whole bunch of tribes and it was a whole bunch of, you know, clans and family warfare and things like that. And whoever was in your family, you essentially owed everything to. Uh, at the drop of a hat, if somebody was injured, if somebody couldn't work, they would stay with your family. If you they needed someone to help take care of their kid, they stay with your family. If you died in war and your family was left with nobody to take care of them, your family would take care of them. That's why people actually, you know, there's the whole, Jesus says like he has brothers in the Bible. That isn't like his actual like brother as in birth from the same mother. It is the, it's just a general term that they use for anybody who was in their family. It was basically no different if someone was your immediate brother or if they were your cousin or whatever it is. If they were part of your clan, your tribe, you owed everything to them. But on the flip side of that, if somebody was not part of your tribe, you owed them essentially nothing. You know, this is why violence was so big back then. It was that like if somebody from someone else's tribe came and attacked someone from your family, your whole family would go and you would do retribution onto their family who then would do retribution back onto yours because you owed everything to your family. And this is why also wedding feasts were so popular. This is why they would go for sometimes weeks. It was because it was the merging of two families together. And that was like a big deal. It wasn't just how it is today where, you know, you spend one evening together with the in with your in-laws and then you'll probably honestly never see them again uh you know one christmas what they go to one family the other christmas they go to another family where they do thanksgiving and christmas and they split and very little time is spent together but that was like your land becomes our land your army becomes our army your land on the river becomes our land on the river your ports become our ports all all those things that was like a big deal for them because that's what you do for your family it's not that you owed it necessarily it was really out of choice it was you are my family and I love you. I will give you everything I have and everything that I am. It's not, oh, we're married, so now I have to give you my land. We're married, now I have to give you my access to the port, whatever it is. It's just you want them to have it. Yeah, you do You do want them to have it. And that was what that was just what was essentially expected. Like you never even doubted. You never even, it never even crossed your mind to help anybody who was a part of your family. But like we said, that there was a, a very, and that seems really awesome. And it was really awesome for how loyal they were, fiercely loyal they were to their family. But there was also kind of a dark side to it because, you know, if you know, you're, you're traveling through and you see somebody getting mugged that was in your family, you would lay down your life for them if you had to. But if you saw someone getting mugged who was not in your family, it was kind of more of a sucks to suck situation, better them than me. And that's the context, essentially, of what they were growing up in. Growing when, up in. Who, who's growing up? That's what I said. That's the context in. that they were growing up in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the context that Jesus comes in and tells people. But we'll get to that. The f one of the thoughts I have, and this warm-up will come out on Thursday, we're going to be talking about movie quotes and a couple of them, whether they're theologically accurate or not. There's one from Crazy Rich Asians where the mother says... Is that the one with the, the Asians who are a little bit off mentally, but they have a lot of money? Yes. Okay. That, those yeah. are, that's the one. The, I think it's the niece, actually. The niece says... 
thank you to her aunt. And the aunt says, family never says thank you. And it's, I think, a similar idea where, of course, I'm going to do this for you. You don't have to thank me. This is everything that I have is for you. You don't have to say thank you for it. A nice sentiment, but no, theologically inaccurate. You should still say thank you. You should still say thank you. (laughs) This concept is something that I feel on my skin and have kind of my whole life. So my dad's side of the family is Armenian, born and raised in Lebanon. And so they're of this part of the world where there's that that attitude of if you're in the family, you get everything. If you're out of the family, I'm going to take everything from you that I can. And so two examples. First one is my grandmother. She has since passed, but when she was still with us, she would say whenever I, 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 this specific example of my mom was talking to her about should she or should she not help someone, a, a fellow mom. And I remember my grandmother, she said, are they in a farian? No, pish. And she would do this flicking motion with her hands, like shaking it off. No, of course not. They're not, they don't share our last name. They don't share our blood. Don't give them anything. But this same woman couldn't even have her sons tease each other. She was just so pure of heart for in the family. But this is what it was. She would hoard all of her love for the family. I don't think there is any one who is more loved than the people who were in her family. Her heart was enormous. But it was because it was so focused on the people in her family. And then as a second example, her son, so my uncle, we went to, it was like a swap meet or some fair or something. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a cool belt. Kind of want it. We asked how much it was. And the guy who was selling it said $12. My uncle said 10 bucks. No, $12, 10. No, my price is $12. I'll give you 10 for it. And this went on approaching 40 minutes he was trying to talk the guy down is that like a clean 40 minutes or is that like an exaggerated no this is a clean 40 minutes because i was like someone went to go get food and came back and we were still going over this oh my and we were like looking at other stuff around and the other guy was just trying to kind of end it but my uncle was like no no no, yeah yeah 10 bucks i got you i want you always have those people who like it's yeah it was really shout out to my yeah shout, shout out to my friend uh her name is Maggie, but we called her Marge against her will for like a year. And then she just ended up liking it kind of, or just said that she did or Stockholm syndrome, one of those ones. And we, in, we invoked the Marge rule. And if there was ever a story that seemed a little bit like, Hmm, that seems like too much. You just always cut it in half, just chop half off right away. Or if you be like, you know what? That seems like not enough. You always double it. Yep. So that was like, are we encroaching in on this Marge? Do I need yeah. a Marge rule this? But no, I mean, I think that adds weight to the story for sure. If it yeah. was, it was a clean 40 minutes. <laughs> Eventually, he got it for $10, and I got this belt, and it was fantastic. So that same uncle who would not let that guy off the hook for $2, it was a few years later. I was with my first real girlfriend, and I wanted to get her something for, I think it was our anniversary kind of snuck up on me, as these things do. He, my uncle, works in jewelry. So I asked him if he could help me. I had a very specific idea. Must be idea. a pretty big piece of jewelry if he works in he it. Works in it, yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you a lot. Because, uh, you know, I'm already in such a groove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, so I had a very specific idea and vision for what I wanted, and the anniversary was in two days. He called in multiple professional favors and 
got me, I didn't even really have to pay for it like that. Just because I asked, he stuck his neck out professionally just to help me out for a situation that I really shouldn't have, I put myself in that corner. If I would have come to him earlier, it wouldn't have been a problem. But so this same guy who will spend that long defending his family, just trying to get them a better deal and more or less just pinch off from that other guy, whatever he can is the same one who just at the drop of a hat at a question would put everything on hold for me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's perfect examples right there. And that was, I mean, this is, you know, thousands of years later than what we, the context we're talking about. So it was only, it has only not gotten, it has only got, I mean, I don't better or worse. I don't know what to, yeah. it has only like probably come back from that more so because that's not really the culture that we live in as much anymore. So if, if that's what it is, like I said, 40 minutes for a $2 discount. Cause it was it, just about winning. Yeah. It so was about, he, I'm not going to let he's you saying, beat me. He's saying though, that like that is worth $3 and like that's $3 an hour. <laughs> like that's uh that's what the cost of what he is putting in right now. So I think that that are perfect examples of that. As something that, you know, those aren't my brothers or sisters, but it is that familial connection. But an example that comes to mind and going back to movies of brothers, there's a movie called Hell or High Water. Very good movie. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah. And in this movie, there's a younger brother and an older brother. The younger brother is in dire straits and the older brother gets out of jail. The younger brother goes to him for help and they end up robbing banks. And at one point, kind of midway point of the movie, they have an interaction and the younger brother says, you're talking like we ain't going to get away with this. And the older brother says, I never met anybody that got away with anything. Have you? Then why in the hell did you agree to do this? Because you asked, little brother. And that captures it so wonderfully. This brother who just got out of jail to come back and to be robbing banks immediately just because his brother asked. Knowing that he's probably going to get caught. Knowing that he's probably going to get caught. He just said, I never met anybody that got away with anything. So he's not expecting to get away with it. He just wants to help his brother. The way that that plays out, I don't want to spoil this one because I think it is very good. And he has, you know, he's kind of a little bit of a nut job too. So he has some, a crazy side to him, but... That doesn't take away from the sentiment. And yeah, absolutely, you should watch Hell or High Water. So when we say that we're brothers or sisters in Christ with someone, not, let's get that out of the way, not advocating to go and rob banks or anything, no crimes, but are we loving them the same way that those two brothers love each other? Are we willing to actually, to let it cost us something, whether it's our time our effort, our reputation, or whatever it is to help that person. Not just, first of all, are we doing it with our actual brothers and sisters? Then are we doing it with our friends? What about people we don't know? What about our enemies? What about someone you hate? Because they are your brothers and sisters as well. And we have to have that same approach because that's what Jesus was calling for. He came in and he called everyone his brother and his sister with that idea in mind to love them with everything that you have. This is where, you know, the world is a little bit twisted and it is the idea of love has kind of been twisted. Like you said, to really love his brother is not to help his brother rob banks because that's not willing his best good. But even though that, that love has been hijacked into doing something wrong through the world or through circumstances or whatever, but the sentiment is there that, that he is willing to sacrifice everything for him. 
and we don't we don't have that we we've lost that i think we have de- desensitized ourselves to that word to calling brother someone brothers and sisters in christ because like you said it does it does need to cost us that's what you know the mother teresa quote that is uh, pretty popular is for love to be real it must i think i'm i'm going to butcher it but for love to be real it must it must cost it must hurt it must empty us of self and actually so we I am in prayer for my students. Um, we've been starting off before we do a little bit of silent time this this week uh, with the prayer of generosity by St. Ignatius of Loyola. It's a beautiful prayer. If you don't know, I highly recommend you look it up. But I go into it and talk about like generosity. What is genuine generosity? And I think I haven't, I didn't look it up in the catechism. That's because I'm a bad teacher. And I didn't look it up in the Webster's dictionary either. But I imagine, and I would be surprised if this is not somewhere in like if I would get pushed back from this, but the idea that for something to be a generous action, it actually has to come from your need, right? Like if I have a hundred dollars and I give somebody $1, that's a kind thing to do. It's like, I'm not saying, and that's why I tell them, and I use the example of, you know, if you've got $10 that you're spending at the snack stand today at break and somebody asks like, Oh, can you buy me cookies for a dollar? That's not a generous thing. It's a kind thing to do. Do it. Absolutely. Like it's a nice thing to do for somebody, but you're not doing an act of generosity because it's not coming from your need. And I say like generosity is, is somebody forgot their lunch and you don't have money to buy lunch and you only have one lunch and you give him half of yours where now you are now losing something. That's more of the, the generous approach. We need, that's the love that we're talking about needs to empty ourselves and be willing to do that at the drop of a hat for anybody that you have as a brother and sister. And that's the crazy thing. Like you said, is Jesus comes in and he demands that everybody calls each other brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is not just a, a Hallmark card greeting. You're my brother. You're my sister. This is a radical demand that would have been completely countercultural. Kind of going back to what you had said, I liked you're talking about how your, your grandmother hoarded all of her love for her family members. And I feel like in our culture, in our society, it's either you hoard all your love for the people you care about or you kind of love everybody. And those are kind of your two options. Like you have a hundred units of love to give. You can either give all a hundred to your family or you can give 50 to family and 50 to strangers or however you want. But that's not the Christian approach. The Christian approach is you hoard all of your love for everyone. And I guess that that's an oxymoron. So you give all of your love to everyone. You never stop. And I think that that is completely lost in our society. And there's a... Especially in our church. We don't want to get into like foolhardiness where if you see someone without a lunch, you max out your credit card buying them so many groceries that they'll never not have a lunch again. Because we're not called to bankrupt ourselves for someone, but we are called to give almost beyond what we're comfortable to give. You got to feel it. Yeah, you got to feel it. We go back. I love the early church. I'm a big fan of the early church. I make a, a note to all of my students at the beginning of the year. I'll say, you are going to get sick of me talking about the early church. And I'm going to say, like, you know what this reminds me of? And they can, they'll they be able to say, the early church, we know. But how attractive the early church was to people. The reason why it grew like wildfire in amidst, you know, no social media. They didn't have any cool flyers to post on Instagram or anything like that. Yet it still grew. And it grew amidst persecution, terrible persecution. People were lining up at the door to get into this club, you know, this this faith. Obviously, it's not a club, but it's pretty crazy if you think about it because these people would come into your town and they would be dirt poor. They would be on the run from the law, essentially. The Jews hated them. The Romans hated them. I'm sure everyone else did too. 
there's a good chance that you'd be put to death for practicing this and you were going to sell all of your possessions and there's a good chance that your family was going to hate you and yet still people are like, I want that. And I think that the only way is, I mean, yes, obviously because of Jesus Christ and the grace and the truth that is him, but you know what gripped them, what brought them into the door in the first place was they saw this band of people and they saw that these people radically loved each other. And they saw that cultural divides back then were even worse than they are now. You know, like you said, you couldn't even talk to somebody of another culture oftentimes, especially in the Jewish faith. If somebody was outside of the Jewish people, you weren't allowed to talk to them. You weren't allowed to mingle with them. You definitely weren't allowed to marry them. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. This is these cultural divides, you know, and the Romans didn't think highly of the Jews either. And then the Persians didn't think highly of them. And tax collectors were not thought highly of prostitutes were definitely not. Then there was lepers and every, everybody was so divided with one another, but yet they found this church, this faith where they were all mingling with one another, eating with one another, marrying each other, raising families together. And they said, how is this possible that these people are living like this? And it was attractive to them where people were really willing to lay down their bias, their pride and give up their, their money and risk their safety all to be a part of this family where everybody was referring to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And the only way that that is possible is if they had to actually mean it, where every single person was their brother and sister in Christ, and they'd never let the, that desensitize the word. And I use this example with my students too. I say, you could imagine if you only had one friend in the whole world, and that's the only friend you could ever have, and there was no chance you were ever going to have anybody else. Like what? There was no limit to what you would do for that person. You would make sure that that person feels loved. You would make sure that that person was safe. You would do whatever you needed to do. And the key to Christianity is how do you have that for everyone and not let it desensitize? How do you have 7 billion best friends and treat every single one of them as if you only had one best friend? And again, not saying you need to go sell all of your belongings and run away to another far off land, but like there's a lot of people who are sitting right in front of you who we don't love in that way. This is that idea where if you want to be a beacon of God's light far and wide, it should be the brightest nearest to you. So how are you treating the people with whom you live? How are you treating the people with whom you work? The people you see in the sub in the subway that you're sitting next to, how are you treating those people? Because we like the big grand acts or, you know, we might go on a mission trip and feel like we checked off our generous loving for the year or however long. But what are you doing day to day? Just think about your day right now. Think about your interactions. Did someone ask you for something? And if so, how much did you give? Not necessarily money, but even just time. Are you really listening and interested in what's going on with people around you? If you can't even give them your ear, how can you love them? I think that, that, and I'm pretty sure that I don't know if you have, you've talked to me about that image before, and maybe you've mentioned it in the podcast before, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful one. Is the people who are closest to the light should feel the light the most, and if the people don't, like you'll, there's never any hope that you're ever going to reach anybody else. And you can even follow the Jesus model that we've kind of talking talking about talked about before. With you know, he was the people who were closest to him, the disciples. They felt it the most. Then there was like you know the sixty people who were the outskirt disciples. And then there was like the thousands of people who he ministered to, but he wasn't able to, he wouldn't be able to minister to all 3000 of them in the same way that he can minister to the 12. But that doesn't mean that when the time came that he interacted with somebody who he never met, he gave them a hundred percent of everything. You know, this is the story of Zacchaeus where Zacchaeus is up in the, the, the tree cause he can't see him cause he is short in stature. 
<laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> of that. I'm thinking of that Trey Kennedy video that just came out this week about the short people. Um, Trey Kennedy, if you're listening, that's some of your some of your best work. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it up. Look up Trey Kennedy. I think it's short man syndrome or something like that. And but Zacchaeus comes up to Jesus and he says, and Jesus like is almost like aggressive about it. He says like, "Oh, Zacchaeus, like he doesn't even know who this guy is. Like, I'm supposed to stay at your house today." And he like stops his journey. It says that he's journeying through the through the town. And he's like, Zacchaeus has approached me with faith. I'm stopping everything, and I'm going to go stay with this guy for tonight. That is something that I think we really struggle to to do because I, and I think it's – I don't even know if we love the people who we love the most. Like it's almost like we need to love all 7 billion people in the world better than we love the person we love the most in the world right now. That's the challenge. That's the, the incredible challenge, but also what the church – is you know I, I love thinking about saint peter just you know what he looked like <laughs> what his favorite color was I'm just kidding. Uh, i love i do love thinking about saint peter and all of his many successes and failures but the idea that he he mentions in you know one of his letters he says always be prepared to give people a reason for your hope and he like writes that as it's almost like it's pretty straightforward it doesn't like he makes it sound that like this is going to happen to you all the time that people are going to approach you and say like, hey, what's going on with, why do you, why are you so hopeful in a world that is not hopeful? Why are you so loving in a world that is hateful? He says like, you have to be prepared to give them an answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has radically affected your life. And honestly, how many times has that ever happened to you? How many times has that ever happened to me? More than, more than five times in your entire life, more than once in your entire life. Cause St. Peter's talking about it as if it's like par for the course, like this is going to happen all the time be ready for it and we can't even we can't even get there if we're not even getting there it's no doubt why the faith is people are starting to leave the faith or are continuing to leave the faith in droves because we are failing at that so you know it's kind of even what we talked about the evangelization if last week is that if you are not finding yourself in a situation where you need to evangelize with somebody because they're asking you questions about it. Like you are not living your life the way we are supposed to. Right. Cause like I said, if I think you said it, if this is the most important thing in your life, how far away could it ever be from your conversation? It's like, imagine you, you imagine you meet somebody at a, at a bar or whatever. And not, I'm not talking like a different of the opposite gender. Like, you know, I met, say I met you at the bar and I would had a girlfriend and we were friends for three months. And then you found out, Oh wait, you have a girlfriend. And like, she never came up in conversation. I think that would be a surefire sign that I'm not that into the relationship because most likely if it's important to me, you would have found out probably the day you met me. <laughs> so I think all that to say, we got to be better. Yeah. I'd be curious. What's coming to my mind is the idea of people saying, I'll love them if they love me. Right. So this is, this is the reciprocal love that is talked about when he says, you know, even, even the tax collectors do that. It's what's, easy. What is what's it? that? What's that song that they, they that we used to sing in Sunday school class? The what is it? Conditional love is what God gave to me. <laughs> God loves me conditionally. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> when you reciprocate it, God loves me. How does it go? What is the What is the song? I can't. I'll I'll get it. <laughs> get back to us. But it's easy to love someone who loves us. I mean, I guess first of all, are we doing that? Are we loving the people who love us? I there was a period of time where I kept a note I kept a tally of all of the times that I asked my mom for something and she did it immediately 
Can you fill my car up with gas? I got to finish this work and then I have to leave. Can you help wash my dish for me or whatever it is? Anything for which I asked her, I kept track of it. And then I tried to keep track of all the things she asked me to do and whether or not I did them right away. Hey, can you take the trash out? Hey, can you take the dog for a walk? E- even easy things that wouldn't really cost me much other than pausing what I'm doing right now. I did not do well. <laughs> so are we even loving the people that are loving us, first of all? But then beyond that, are we loving the people who aren't loving us? Are we loving the people who are attacking us? That's a difficult thing. What's the saying that Jesus says about praying for those who persecute you? How does that go? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> What's that saying about loving loving your enemy? How, what, how, does, how does that go? <laughs> I don't, that doesn't sound right. I must be Coming across else. very condescending right now, and I'm not intending to. I'm just tired, and my like the sense of humor has gone into just uh, just cold. So, <laughs> but I mean, I think I think what you're getting at is just these are very fundamental things of Christianity. So it's very frustrating for me when I talk to someone who identifies as a lesbian and they're like, I just, I can't, I'm not Catholic because I can't be around Catholics because they all hate me for my sexuality. If that's the experience that they're having, we are failing because they are to be loved no less than the rest of us. And that breaks my heart. If someone is being kept away from the church because we are not loving them, I think we're missing the whole message. You know, being the the psych major that I am and we're both psych majors here, undergraduate psych major, which means absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just like a doctorate in psychology means nothing. Burn. Burn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Um, if you, any of you are, uh, you, the work that you do is great. Um, very important. That was not sarcastic. I'm coming across very sarcastic <laughs> and very condescending. Uh, and I think it's the, the inner side, usually when I'm passionate or angry at something and if, about something and it's coming across in my tone, it's because I'm mad at myself about it more mm-hmm. than anything else. And I take it out on everybody else where it's like, we need to love more. And like, what's that saying about God saying we should pray for those who persecute us and love our enemies? Like, it's I'm, I, like, I'm talking to myself. And actually, I'm looking, Alec, I'm looking in a mirror right now. I can see myself in the mirror. And I'm literally even talking at myself. That just reminds me, who was the comedian? I think it was Louis C.K. He said, whenever I'm doing stand-up and I'm talking about, oh, this guy next to me on the plane was so mad. At the-. There's no other guy. It's me every time. It's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I think that that it's a great challenge for us in that I I really think that if we want the church to be what it's called to be and we want to see success in this, I think, you know, it's really until whoever you love, somebody who you just met radically, you know, I always say like I've I've given like a talk similar to this to to confirmation classes and to some young adult groups and things like that. And I'll just go. You know, I'll point to someone on the right side of the, the room and I'll say, like, what's your name? And they'll say, John Smith. And I'll say, or Joe Schmo. And I'll say, okay, until you, Joe Schmo, and I go to the other side of the room and I point to, like, someone else and I say, and a girl will say, like, you know, whatever, Cynthia. And I say, until you, Joe Schmo, love Cynthia with your entire heart and would not do it, like, even though you've never met each other, the church will not be what, what it needs to be, what it's called to be. We will continually to see numbers fall away. So let that let that be kind of a, a personal check for you as it is as it is for us here that check the way that you're loving check the way that you and like let it mean something don't let it be a joke you know it, it, I work at an all guys school where the brotherhood is very emphasized and it's it's it they do a good job of living it out but you know you we, they, we say it so much a lot of times the guys it becomes kind of the butt end of a joke a lot where it's like it's like oh yeah and then brotherhood or like this guy's my brother and 
you know, don't, don't let it fall. Don't let it become that. Don't let it just become like a, you know, you're seeing you guys, like you are with your friends and you're at the mall or whatever. Actually, there's no reason why a group of guy friends should ever be at the mall, but <laughs> without a girl there under no circumstance, I don't care if you need to go shopping, find a girl and go with her. <laughs> I feel very passionately about that. Uh, but all right. But same thing with girls though, you know, and if you see someone you're attracted to and oftentimes the joke is the guys will go like, Hey dude, that's your sister in Christ. Like, don't let it, don't let it become a joke like that. If you're going to say that that person is your Christ, sister in Christ, treat her like your sister in Christ. Yeah. That commands respect from you. Mm-hmm. And even talking about, I'm thinking of, you brought up the good Samaritan earlier, put yourself in that snare of the good Samaritan. You see someone being, let's just even say bullied. Let's not even go to the extreme. If you saw your brother or sister being bullied, you might be more likely to step in than if it were a stranger but that shouldn't be the case. Think about that person as your brother and sister. One, the person being bullied and wanting to protect them, and two, the person bullying. It's not doing them any favors to be bullying people either, so you're really loving both of them by trying to put an end to that. But having that gravity of, I care so much that this bad thing not happen to my brother or sister. And as we wrap all of this up, to go back over it, remember the context when Jesus came and was telling everyone to love each other as brothers and sisters and what that meant. And then remember to love not only the people who are loving you, but really everyone, family, friends, strangers, enemies, everybody. And as a little bit of, not homework, but something that you can School's look session. to. If you, homework. <laughs> if you want to find scripturally something for this, Luke six twenty seven to 38. And so we're talking about how easy it is to love people who love us and to lend expecting nothing back. So if you want to maybe bring that to adoration or bring that to your prayer, but take this with you. Really try and be on yourself. Even if it is actually writing it down, it's really helpful. Keep yourself accountable. And don't beat yourself up over it, but really actively try and be better. Try and love someone. Go a little bit extra. Be vulnerable and see what happens. Yeah. Any final thoughts from you, Eddie? No, we're, I think that's all. Go go make a difference. We can make a difference. Go make a difference in the world. We gotta put some music to that, that sounds good. Nah, it'll never catch on. <laughs> all right, for all of us here at Sinner's Take, you will hear us in the next one. <laughs>